Hey guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I like building something that has legacy. Eid Mubarak, everyone, and welcome back to a new episode of Dubai Works Business Podcast. This week, I'm joined by a female CEO who's running many businesses, Diana Tertishnaya, if I got that right. <laughs> so uh, uh, Diana is a Russian-born Dubai-based CEO, founder of Dialyte, Terra and Mara Events, and also Flo Flora de Dessert. De Dessert. We'll get into all that in a lot of detail. Uh, firstly, though, uh, Dialyte is a fully functioning videography and photography company, all-female team that covers large-scale intimate events, strong focus on Emirati and international weddings, but also Terra and Mara events is a cultural influence with Middle Eastern flair coming to create uh, Terra and Mara, which means land and sea. Uh, a meeting of the same halves, earth and air, land and water, uh, love and the mind, a lot of mouthful here. <laughs> it's an essence of juxtaposition of cultures and traditions. So basically merging design elements from the Middle East. And lastly, uh, Flor de Dessert is an electric combination of exotic blooms and unique floral arrangements and enhanced living spaces. Uh, you'll have to help me with more description of that. <laughs> and we'll discuss these types of businesses, their industries, how Di Diana uh, man ma manages everything together, and also topics such as female leadership and uh, outlook for the region. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for the nice introduction. I think I'll have to go into the explanation of the names of the companies. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I think the, the point really is that you manage a lot and you have a lot of companies and they, um, I, I, you know, I think I butchered the descriptions of them. So let's, why don't we start from there? Can you outline the names of the companies? Okay, so um, regarding Terra Mara, as you described, it's land and the sea. That's what we face in Dubai. It's like the mix in between of something, the land and the sea, the cultures, everything. That's why when, like I was doing the setups, we were doing some this, uh, of the setups in the desert, some of them on the border of the sea. And I think it's really a nice place here for us to explore the nature and like whatever Dubai has to offer apart from the skyscrapers and the business opportunities. Yeah. And Fleur de Desert, it's French, it's coming as a flower from the desert, because that's what we're selling, the flowers in the middle of the desert, and I think it's like, our flowers are quite unique, we're inspired by Japanese style of Ikebana, the art of Ikebana, so we're trying to bring something unique to the market. Okay, so, and you're obviously, the dialysis production videography, are these uh, businesses, do they complement each other? Yeah, I started with Daylight. That was my newborn, like my first baby. And, when did that start? Uh, it started five years ago, five years uh, and a half. So I opened it because like I was always a fan of photography. And then I was studying in the business school and my mom was like, oh, I think it's time to consider the proper career. Like photography, it's a nice hobby. And then I was like, I gave up for a moment. I was like, yeah, okay, time to concentrate on the business, the career opportunities. I was so bored in the office. Then I moved to Dubai to sales. Where was that? Where were you studying and working? Uh, in sales and real estate. Uh, where, where did you, from where did you move to Dubai? Uh, from Madrid, where I was studying in a business school. Oh, okay. So I moved to Dubai. I was like, okay, time to concentrate on the serious life and everything. Then I realized that I miss my hobby because I really like to photograph people, especially like not the landscapes or something. 
And then by coincidence, I was invited as a photographer to one of the Arabic weddings. I fell in love, like with the culture, with the ladies' society, with the jewelry, the beauty of all the details. And I was like, hmm, it's a nice niche for the business. And that time when I was opening the company, there was only few companies in the market doing the same. Okay. So I was like, okay, let me give it a try. I took. I can I can I just ask how, why were there only a few companies doing that? You know, if we think of the wedding ecosystem in other countries, it seems like it's a saturated space because mm-hmm. it's obviously you know weddings do need photographers, they need production, and there's a lot of websites, there's a lot of people that can provide these services. Um, did you feel that it wasn't catered for properly, or there weren't people there weren't people who really specialized in in local Arab weddings? See, they were always the companies who were specializing in the photography for the weddings, but there was no demand for the good quality. Mm. So basically, people here, they cared more about like greeting and meeting their guests, about like the food, the chocolates, like the hospitality thing, but they cared less about the pictures because it's a very private thing. The pictures, no one will see the pictures of the bride apart from the close family and her friends, because obviously the ladies here, they're muhajiba, they're like wearing hijab so they keep their memory just for themselves yeah they don't post it on instagram they like you know it's yeah don't sell them to magazines exactly (laughs) so they were fine with whatever like you know it was more like paparazzi style of the photography and then uh there were a few russian-owned companies who were entering the market and showing like how different the pictures could look like like bringing the style bringing the mood to the photography Mm. and then they started like you know I feel like here people adapt the new things very quickly. So yeah. they were like, oh, we want the pictures of this quality as well. So there were only a few companies. It was like a blue ocean. And I was like, it's time to do something new. And uh, the exclusive thing here is that the company should be only ladies. Hmm. Ladies, uh, all steps of the production, from the moment you take the pictures to the moment you edit for the printing of the albums, delivery. Everything should be handled by ladies. Is that your view on, you know, creating equal opportunity for females or is the cl- do the clients expect this? Uh, no, it's the obligation actually. It's not Great. just the expectation because no one is supposed to see the pictures where the ladies are removing the hijab because mm. the guests are not wearing it on the wedding. Exactly, so yeah. It's like it's mandatory. It's the law. I put it in the contract that like, don't worry, our team is fully female. We used to have, before I built the reputation, we used to have the clients visiting our office to make sure that it's just the ladies' team, the production is ladies, editing is ladies, like, yeah. you know, so there is no, like, back end who is actually, like, a bunch of guys, yeah. which would obviously be cheaper for any company because, like, the guys are here more available in terms of photography and editing. Ladies are more exclusive. Okay, that's really interesting. And yeah, absolutely, you know, not only in that intimate setting of the wedding day, but still the photos, the females shouldn't be exposed. Exactly, uh, it's like so a it has very big privacy clause in the contract. That's like, amazing. Even like we're not allowed to share the pictures, we put it in the contract as well. And then we're asking the permission to post some details. Some of the ladies, like they're like more open-minded, let's say the family is more open-minded, they allow us to post like, for example, the shots of their hands or the shot from the back, Mm. like, you know, but it depends on the family for like, let's say 80% of the clients, it's full private. Like we can only disclose their details, like the jewelry, the shoes, the dress, and obviously the decoration of the event itself. And how did, so from the concept and clearly, you know, you've got a lot of experience and you know how to create this process, but back then, then were you the photographer? Did you have the experience and how did you get the business going? 
see, uh, as I told you, by coincidence, I was invited as a photographer. I worked in that company who is doing actually the same for three months. Um, then we had some personal issues with the owner and I was like, okay, you know what? I think I'm going to open my own company. So mm. I resigned and then I borrowed the money from my mom for the trade license. I opened the trade license and it was challenging in the beginning because like from the previous company, I couldn't get myself a portfolio because of this privacy clause and everything. Yeah. So I remember my first meeting with a client. I launched the advertisement on Instagram and there is a lady. She comes to the meeting and she's like, could I see your photos? And I'm like, you know what? Unfortunately, my sample album on the previous meeting got spoiled. Like uh, <laughs> actually I spilled the coffee over. Oh dear. So I cannot show you the album, but trust me, I'm such a good photographer. So basically, and the initial stage, I was selling air. And this client should trusted me because, as I told you, I'm coming from the sales background. So even even the white little lie that was <laughs> a bit of a lie, a bit of a trick. So she trusted me. I showed her the pictures what I was shooting before because I was shooting before like fashion models back in Moscow, and she trusted me. Her wedding. She was from a very big family, and like you know, here it's like word of mouth. So she trusted me, then her family, they started coming to me and then I started building the portfolio of her details. So they see, oh, you've done this wedding so I can trust you with my wedding. Here it's all about the families you're working with. Mm. But how did you, How you know, were you doing the photography? Did you have the cameras? How much and then did you have to do the editing? Was it a one woman show? <laughs> and did At you... the beginning, it was a one woman show. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I remember the first year I was working myself as a photographer all the time. Uh, my mom, she uh, gifted me a camera for my birthday. So then I had to buy the initial set of lenses, like the minimal basic equipment. And lenses can be quite expensive. Well, <laughs> <laughs> let's not start this topic because now having like eight people in my team, I had yeah. to buy the lenses for everyone. So yeah, 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 yeah. Now it's like eight times the cost. So yeah, and I yeah. was working with a lady videographer. She was like kind of my partner. So we were working together Great. she was doing her editing for the video part. I was doing the editing for the photography. And the more I started growing, the more I started like drowning in the amount of the editing. Mm. And like, you know, I'm a very active person. I cannot sit in one place and the editing, it takes hours and hours of just staring at the laptop. Mm. And like approximately from one wedding, we're getting around 3000 raw files, raw photos. Okay. And then you have to choose like six to 700 best ones. Yeah. You have to edit all of them. So I remember it was June or July. I had done 10 weddings and I was stuck with around like 20,000 draw pictures. And my mom, she came <gasps> over and she was like, daughter, you look depressed. And I'm like, mom, I have 20,000 pictures that I have to edit. <laughs> and my deadlines are like one month after the wedding. I'm supposed to give the materials. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I have to provide 6,000 edited pictures to my clients. And like, I was really like, I couldn't do anything like I was feeling myself guilty if I leave the house and I do something like, you know, from my hobbies. Same time, I couldn't do more sales because I was like, if I sell more, I cannot edit and it's going to be like, you know, snowball. Then she was like, daughter, why don't you hire an editor? And I was like, yeah, it's a responsibility. I have to pay the salary. I have to provide the visa. What if tomorrow it's not going to be no weddings? And my mom, she's a business coach that I'm <laughs> so she did a bit of coaching on me the next day i posted the ad on the whistle i saw the cvs i clicked on the first cv i saw the girl i like her cv i remember i invited her for the interview in marina mall in cafenero 
Yeah. So she comes. I'm shaking more than her, I guess. <laughs> Brilliant. She was my age, and uh, we click. It was like the first CV that I've seen, the first girl that I've seen. I hired her immediately. Takes so courage, but also yeah. She works with me. She's like my sweetheart. She's the sweetheart of all the team. Wow. She's the most loyal employee. Can I ask how old were you when you started the business? I was twenty-three. That's quite young. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amazing to be to be taking on the responsibility of a production company in these big weddings, and you had ten weddings. Was that the first summer? Was that the first year? Yeah, it was the first summer. Like throughout the year, I was like, you know. I was doing any wedding work, like yeah. obviously decreasing the prices, like taking what you could expectations. get. Then the client would call and they would be like, oh, we have like half of your price budget. And I would be like, you know what? Okay, let me do it because I needed to build my name. I needed to build my brand. So yeah. I was working just for people to get to know me. And now it allows me to fix my prices. And now we have the clients who are actually fighting for us on the most popular dates. And they're like, let us pay you money. We're like, too late. Wow, that's so interesting. I love I love all the little uh, examples you're giving of how to get started. You know, you make it sound simple with Instagram, do Bizzle, meetings for coffees to hire people. Obviously, it's tough. But uh, what are the other things you learned from the early days uh, getting it going? Uh, human relationship. That's the most. Uh, it was never easy for me in terms of I'm very social. I'm very uh, let's say trust in person so i really don't understand when people are trying to exploit me or something that's why i learned my mistakes at that time like you know having the some jealousy between the competitors not trusting anyone like you know my competitors they used to send me the fake clients to the meetings just to show uh like oh see she's showing this how did you find out they were fake well <laughs> i'm trusting people but at the same time i'm a bit paranoid yeah so yeah i Literally you were able to find hard, out. But like, I always get to know. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. It's, it is quite competitive, isn't it? Business like that. It is very competitive. Like, you know, some people, they think, oh, you're in the wedding sphere. It's so nice. It's so sweet. <laughs> like rainbows, unicorns. No, it's not. Trust it's me. Tough. Like, maybe here, because like, you know, it was a blue ocean. So the moment, like, there are new competitors in the market, people are like protecting their space. Mm. But I believe like the more competitors, like the market is huge, to be honest. Mm. And if you have your quality and if you have your trust of your clients, they will not leave you. Mm. So I believe that there is space for everyone, but uh, not everyone believes so. So what what made you stand out? I'm trying to think of, you know, what would be compelling towards those clients? Would it be the storytelling, the fact that you don't just focus on the bride that might be private, but you might show all the decor and the effort that goes into it? I was laughing in the beginning because I didn't have much of the details that I could show. So I was like capturing sometimes even like, you know, I would borrow the jewelry from my friends, just arrange it nicely and pretend that this is like the ring that belongs to some bride. Or even I had one picture done by my friend I was holding the ring like as if I'm the bride wearing it. Like, you know, I had to fake it to like, you know, post something. To, to create, not necessarily say this is the thing, but to create the context around the context, it. context, yeah, and everything. And then I was laughing with the, my brides. I'm like, you're choosing me. By the way, I photographed the shoes hmm. because you cannot see the faces hmm. because of the privacy. So hmm. you're choosing me really, by the way, I photograph your ring or the shoes. And sometimes I feel like these details are more interesting for them because yeah. like they can at least share with them. 
Do you produce albums at the end of it? Yes. And how did you get... So the other event businesses, the events business and the flower business, is that complementary of, are you now doing wedding planning and are you providing the flowers? See, it's... Um, these two businesses, they're quite new. Yeah. Um, last uh, Ramadan, it was Corona, lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> so I was going crazy. My last wedding was 12th of March. Okay. Then they closed the weddings. Yeah. They announced like the weddings will be closed for two weeks only. It was really optimistic of them. So, you know, and then uh, three months after only I started working again. So three months I was stuck in the house without any work, doing nothing. Mm. And I was going crazy. And then I thought with my friend, I was like, uh, we were always discussing this. But like, you know, when you have the routine and like, okay, time to open something new, but like you're so stuck in the routine that you don't have time to think about that. Mm. Then I had all the time of my life. I was like, let's start doing something. And it complements the light. It complements the photography business because like I already have the audience of my bride. So mm. I can offer them my services as a decor planner as well. And uh, we started doing some small events. I'm never targeting the big weddings because it's too much of responsibility, too much of the nerves. Uh, so I'm really interested in the small private events, which yeah. were really a trend after Corona. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I'm more about like, you know, the quality, the details. I want to make all the events unique, not like, you know, buying the same stuff, using the same materials that everyone is using, but just doing something different. Yeah. And like whatever feedback we got after the events we've done is that like you really have attention for the details. Yeah. And that obviously you need attention to detail in photography. So the skills are complementary as well. But yeah. it, it, they were these were pivots almost, you know, to try and stay, you know, to reinvent uh, your business, to, to do something in the midst of the pandemic. And how's that gone? Uh, slowly. Uh, I'm not as active, I believe, as I was when I was 23 years old. Yeah. And now, plus, I have my own, like, you know, baby, which is, like, growing, daylight, and it's, like, bringing money and the clients. So I'm yeah. quite taking it easy. I'm more into position if the client really wants us, we will work, but we'll not just take the wedding for the sake of taking it for yeah. the quantity or something. Yeah. But working in photography, it really helps because I'm always saying that I will be the nightmare for my wedding planner one day because you can see all the ways how the wedding can go wrong. Okay. Like all the details that can go wrong, I know them. So can you tell us a few <laughs> or a big one? <laughs> well, bad experience. <laughs> um, let's say. There is a ballroom, so yeah. for the privacy, they're building some uh, partitions in between the service area where obviously there are some guys helping in the kitchen for the DJ, for the lighting. And there is a ladies uh, part, ladies section where all the ladies are enjoying and everything. Mm. To build the decoration, they use like some walls, some PVC materials, some curtains. And one time there are the ladies, the party is going on and the DJ, he did something wrong. He moved the table or something, so the curtain was not properly fixed. Uh -oh. In the middle of the wedding, the curtain fall, all the ladies exposed to all the men's stuff. Okay. And I was like, lesson learned. <laughs> Make oh, no. sure that like, you know, the separation is really good. Okay. How did how did you fix that? Uh, it was not me doing the wedding. Okay. I was just a photographer. You, so yeah, you noticed. <laughs> I wasn't fixing it. Oh, I was the, like, the event the company. Yeah. yeah, it was the event company. But did they get it back up quickly and it calmed down? Yeah, they fixed it quickly, yeah. but still. Like, These no, things happen. Yeah. These things happen. Then we had one time when the... We actually, as a photographer, we were shooting the jewelry and it was super sensitive. So when we were shooting the jewelry, we need to arrange it beautifully. Mm. And then the jewelry got damaged. 
the mother of the groom, she was really annoyed with us. And the bride, she was super calm. She's like, don't worry, I have super glue for my nails. Let me fix it. <laughs> so, you know, the things, they happen in the way. It's all about how you manage the stress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, do, you, do you manage stress well? Do you manage stress well at work and in these events? Can you cope? I can cope. I have, the, like, you know, some specific part of my character. I'm very calm. I stop talking to people. I just, like concentrate on one thing my team is Focus. usually scared of me at that moment because my expression is not Changes. promising them anything good <laughs> but then once the stress is released like the day after i would go and do something for stress release because like i don't want to take it on myself so yeah. i go either horse riding or something like you know just to get rid of it brilliant so um the weddings that you're focused on i haven't been to uh, a, a local wedding i've been to some arab weddings indian weddings and lots of uh british and other weddings can you and also with your background you're rich, you're russian mm-hmm. uh, can you what's the difference between the weddings and what size are they what's the format what time do they happen at Trust me, it's something completely different. When I keep talking with my friends about the weddings, they're like, we've never heard something like that. Mm. So basically, they have the different celebrations. The one for the men are separate, the one for the women are separate. Not every single uh, family is doing the men wedding because sometimes I feel like it's a part like of men supporting each other. Mm. They're like, don't spend money. It's yeah. okay, we can eat at home. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, they're spending a lot on the uh, female weddings. Mm. Um, the party starts around 8.30. Mm. PM, which is also the gathering will start at that time. Not the the, guests start coming around 8:30 PM. The bride she walks in. She does the like the entrance. That's Mm. the most like the epic moment of the wedding. Around 10 10 10:30 o'clock, she enters to the ballroom. All the ladies they can take the pictures with her. The ladies are dancing. The bride she's just sitting on the build stage, and it's like it's called kosher. So that's what they spend the money on on Mm. the decor. And then before the groom comes, they announce for the ladies that it's time to cover. And then the groom comes, takes the pictures with the men. They leave together. And that's the moment when they're like officially husband and wife. Even though on the papers, uh, the engagement is done way before the wedding. Like yeah. sometimes it's a month, but usually it's like three, four months before the wedding. Okay. Actually on the papers, woman, uh, the husband and wife. Yeah. And then later, we were talking off air beforehand, and we talked about Saudi Arabia and the times of the weddings and the kids. <laughs> Saudi <laughs> is a different uh, world. So in Saudi, the bride is supposed to come to the ballroom two or three times. Usually the first time she comes around, like, let's say midnight. Mm. Uh, the guests, they gather around 9 p.m., 10 p.m. The bride would come around 12. Usually the men, they come first in the Saudi, and then the bride, she enters, like men are watching. The groom helps her to get to the stage. Mm. And then uh, men leave, the ladies start to have a party, then the bride she leaves, usually she changes either the dress or just removes the veil and like some parts of the dress so she feels more light. She comes back and then they serve the dinner at 3 a.m. Mm. And then after the dinner, sometimes the bride comes back with all of her best friends dancing and everything. But I feel like Saudi weddings, they have more fun, to be honest, because they dance nonstop. Here, it depends on the family. Sometimes we come to the wedding when the family is really conservative and there are some like older generation, no one dances. So the bride is just sitting, there is like chill classic music playing and yeah. that's it. That's interesting. Saudi dances nonstop. Till five in the morning or so. I'm really jealous of their energy, of the energy <laughs> of this women because 6 a.m. I'm only dreaming about going to bed and they're like yeah. all the way up. 
Did you, Diana? Did you have to learn Arabic? How do you how do you navigate the cultural nuances at those events? I I was trying to study Arabic. It's like going on process, let's say. Um, but you have a few languages already yourself. Yeah, like Russian, Spanish, and French. But Arabic, it's completely and English. Different. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Yeah. <laughs> so I I've learned how to read. I've learned how to write in Arabic, but I don't understand it hundred percent. I would say like in my like when it comes to the wedding vocabulary, I understand like let's say fifty percent. So I can guess what they're talking about. It mm. was really useful in some of the meetings because. Sometimes when you meet the clients and the ladies, for example, wearing a niqab and there is a mother of the groom coming for the meeting, you cannot, like, as a salesperson, I'm looking at the body language. Here, there is no body language. Mm. Like, you cannot even guess from the facial expression, nothing. And she's sitting and, like, I'm like, does she like me? Does she not like me? Am I expensive for her? What's going on? Okay. And, like, usually the Arabic ladies, they were really, like, you know, polite, and, yeah. calm, like, and that time I decided that I need to understand what they were talking about in the meetings. So yeah. I started learning, like, at least I understand some Dialogue, like, conversation, you know, yeah. They were saying, like, all oh, beautiful pictures, and then in English they were like, we want more discount. I'm like, yeah, but you just said beautiful <laughs> pictures, no? Yeah. So, yeah, uh, it helps when I travel to Saudi, because in Saudi um, it's complicated. Not everyone speaks English. I'm not talking about the brides and grooms, like, I'm talking about infrastructure, like mm. the hotel, the taxi drivers. So sometimes it helps. So and so there's so many interesting things culturally there. I dwelled on it a little bit, but from a business point of view, what were your decisions kind of leading into the pandemic and out of it? Did you invest in a studio? Uh, you mentioned there's a team of eight. How are you growing at the moment? Uh, pandemic was the most hard time for me as a business owner, obviously, as I believe for like half of the world or even more. I had to say goodbye to one of my employees because uh, obviously like being that time a quite small business owner, yeah. I had to reduce the salaries and I cut it off 50%, but I promised them that the moment we start uh, working again, I will repay the difference. Yeah. So one of my employees, she unfortunately, she didn't accept that and we had to say goodbye. We left like on the good terms mm. and then once we started getting back to business, it was like a lot, a lot of the requests. Like we started working in mid of June. Mm. It was like very small, intimate, not the, actually the wedding, like the photo shoots only. Mm. And it was like the brides and grooms were super scared to let anyone to their house, but still they want to get married and it's still the most important day for their lives. And so, even photos might be even more important then because exactly, no one else can see it. Yeah, Exactly, no one else can see it. Like we used to have the parties with the Zoom calls, like, you know, wow. would, like just put few phones, like with different Zoom calls all yeah. over the country and everything. So then we started getting more of the requests. And then in August, I decided that like, it's time to get some help for myself hmm. because I was not able to manage anymore the incoming uh, requests. Yeah. Uh, the team management and everything. That's when I hired my personal assistant and the manager of the studio. And then uh, we hired three more people since then, the videographers and photographers who hmm. joined us. Hmm. And uh, in October or November, I came to understand that we need a space for our event company because at that time all the furniture, all the stuff that we kept buying, it was stored in my partner's house and she was left without the garage, without the garden, without her majlis. So I was like, you know what, I think we need a space to store this. 
we started looking for the storage space and I was like, I just don't want to pay for the storage that doesn't generate money itself. I was like, let me have a small corner for the studio, like just a small one, like I would just put one wallpaper background or something. So at least we can do some in-house photo shoots. We ended up with 4,000 square feet space. Okay. And when I looked at it, it was like six meters ceiling, 4,000 square feet. And I was like, you know what? Let's use some of it for the storage and the rest we will turn into production. Yeah. Then we started the production. We built the space. I'm really happy with the space. We're just waiting for the final municipality approval so we can announce it publicly and like invite people over. Brilliant. Amazing. So that's in Al-Sirkal. Next a... to Al-Sirkal. Okay. Yeah, it's a street because uh, we were considering Al-Sirkal, but it's very hard to get a space there. Like yeah. They have a waiting list and everything. And obviously they have their own restrictions on mm. what exactly you can do and you cannot. Yeah. So we rented the space very nearby yeah. without any limitations. Okay, and what do you categorize? Is, is Where is your business registered? What license do you have? Uh, when I was opening the business, it was not much of choice that time for the free zones uh, doing the photography. So my uh, initial daylight company is in Fujiro Free Zone. Mm. So this one's the event company and the flower company. It's with my local partner. Mm. She's my best friend and local partner okay. at the same time. So we are registered in Dubai. Okay. And so, so you, mainly your team is based in Alcuz and that are, they will be yeah, it's like our, remote a bit. Yeah. It's our working space. Yeah. 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 Okay. Interesting. So, uh, and so what, what are you doing? How have you created the floor? floor the dessert. Uh, I love flowers. I'm really picky when it comes to doing some arrangements for my friends, the bouquet and everything. So I only have one shop that I really like here. It's also owned by the Russian ladies. And I was like, I really have a passion for flowers. At the end of the day, we're already in the wedding industry. We already have the event company. Mm. So let us like complement it by the flowers. Mm. And uh, we decided to do something different, which is Ikebana. Hmm. I'm not sure how the market will react because we're just starting and there is no Ikebana arrangements available in Dubai. Can you describe that? It's actually the art about the flower itself. It's not about like doing massive, like big Arabic style arrangements or like huge bouquet. No, it's about the beauty of each flower in particular. Usually it's like very simple. You know, Japanese people are minimalists, so it's mm. very minimalistic. It's about like how you play with the flower itself. So in one arrangement, you would use like maybe 10 to 15 flowers only, but it's how you place them. And like for them, it's really an art. There are the books, how you need to arrange, like which angle you need to put every flower. Mm. Are you self-taught? Do you bring in experts for these different businesses? Or how have you, uh, you know, how would one normally uh, become trained in flower arrangements and, and a flower business. So that I have the florist. Like I really have the passion, but I don't have the skills. I really want to, once I get back to Russia uh, to do some floral course myself because mm. I really like I like doing it myself. But yeah, I'm not experienced. So. But you're more you're better on the as you studied business administration. You're more in the operational side and making all these things run well. See, I believe that you have to go through all of the stages of your business, like to understand it completely, like seeing what they're doing with, for example, people working in the hotels, mm. even like if you're a top manager of the hotel, but when you study in your business school for the hotel management, you would go from how you fix your bed sheets uh, for the clients and yeah. like catering and everything. So same for me. I want to get involved in all the processes because it helps you even to analyze the costs later mm. on. 
mm. like when I, for example you know how to arrange the flowers yourself you know what's the waste what's the cost of the floral foam for example mm. what's the losses of each arrangement for the flowers yeah so i think it's useful when you know how to do it yourself so you're four or five years into this business real world mba and learning the business mm-hmm. uh, what what's next what do you kind of envisage in the future and what are you planning well uh for now just the growth of the development for the flower shop because see for dear life i've been through all the stages already for uh, the flower shop it's just the beginning so i have to go through all this path again and uh, for the event company as well i want to develop it because now i've been concentrating more on the photography business because it brings me like you know stable income but now i have time to develop the flower shop later on i'm not sure i would love to get another education as well like i want to get an emba degree mm-hmm. okay so I, I see there's a lot of creativity here in the names of the businesses and things like that um so these concepts are obviously things that you attract other creative people to work with you and to build a team in that way as well um so yeah i want to also ask about cultural nuances so um there you know that you're the first russian person on the uh, dubai works business podcast uh, so what's the russian business community like in dubai we know that um it's an it's a destination for tourists but what's the business community like here and how successful have, have russian business people been See, I'm, I cannot talk about all the Russian business community because I'm not really involved within the... You do your own sale, thing, yeah. But I definitely know some of my Russian friends. Uh, by coincidence, there are women who are really successful, who are bringing uh, like, you know, their business ideas here. They're starting from the scratch and they're becoming successful. I have a friend of mine, she is uh, producing the fabrics, not the fabrics actually, like the tunics and everything, like the outfits, using the traditional sadu fabric hmm. and she started doing it like eight or nine years ago everyone was laughing at her in the beginning because she was using basically what arabs used to sit on like you know this uh, traditional fabric yeah and then she made people wear it and now she's that successful that people are actually duplicating her copying and then like queen rania she was wearing like the piece made of the same material amazing so i'm surrounded by like all my russian friends they're like hard-working women so I feel like this is a city of opportunities. Like if you really have an idea and you know how to work hard, you will success. Yeah. You will succeed. And uh, so, uh, you know, you mentioned being a female entrepreneur as well. Is that something that you see as important uh, to highlight or is it just something that's natural part of your business? I think I'm blessed to be surrounded by the ladies who are really hardworking. from the business school, I have the friends who are really building their careers, either it's like entrepreneurship mm. or working for some big brands. All of my friends are workaholics. Mm. So it's very fun because like we never have time to catch up, but we always have time to listen about the success about each other. Yeah. And like we love to share whatever we achieved and like it's really inspiring and motivating at the same time because sometimes I even get jealous. I'm like, oh, my friend has became this and this. I'm like, I need to try <laughs> to be on the same level and everything. It drives you on. But is that, is that a support network or do you attend any forums or business networks with female business women? Yeah, I would love to join. But like, honestly, for the last five years, I didn't have much time to think about any like, you know, communities and everything. I was mm. too concentrated on building the brands. And now I'm finally can like, you know, chill a bit in terms of the business and start like meeting people 
networking and everything. And will you continue to hire females in your businesses as you Definitely, go? Definitely, yes, because like I believe in women supporting women. Yeah. Definitely, good points. And, and in Saudi Arabia as well, we see amazing statistics of how many females are joining the workforce. I imagine that the, there's a lot of, you know, uh, you know, one of our digital designers in in Riyadh is female, and I can see a lot of talent in that space because of holding cameras and passion for that industry. Do you envisage that you could grow into that market and have a team there? See, Saudi women, they're amazing. Like, I'm really impressed by them. Like, every time I travel to Saudi, like one time I was staying in Riyadh for 10 days because I have a few weddings there and I, I had a few breaks in between. So I just went to explore Riyadh. The amount of support that I got just on the street of Riyadh, like being European woman, they're not used to like seeing much of the tourists there. Yeah. Uh, I think it was the moment when Saudi just opened for the tourists. Because yeah. before I was flying on the commercial visa ladies were coming to me like young old even not speaking english still trying to offer their help wow. they're like oh you're a tourist let us show you around let us buy your water let us invite you for a coffee mm. like you know it's incredible the amount of compliments that i get like going to saudi just from random people on the street like random women mm. so it really feels special because like i feel like woman complimenting another woman is really having a self-confidence mm. so i'm really impressed by the saudi women they're amazing that's amazing it's kind of it's similar to emirati as well it's that similar yeah, arabian like hospitality emirati, i think it's like you know i'm used to seeing emirati yeah. like i'm amazed by all my emirati friends here already but when i travel to saudi like you know we always have some perception about the country especially like reading everything about the saudi especially if you're not living in the region and like if I tell my friends back in Russia that I'm going to Saudi, they would be like, oh my God, like how you're not scared and everything. And then when I tell them the stories about how actually the Saudi yeah. people are, how is the Saudi itself. They become interested. They're becoming interested. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's interesting. It's a fascinating time. So you obviously could have a choice to live in Russia with your European languages. You could live there in other parts of the world. What, what made you set the business up here in Dubai and uh, do you think you'll be here for the future? Have you ever been to Russia in the winter time? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't actually, but yeah. So my mom, she comes here for three months in the winter just to escape from this uh, amazing weather that we've got for yeah. uh, six months yeah. of the year. Yeah. So I really love Russia. I'm very like, I love Moscow. Don't get me wrong. But the weather here, you cannot compare it. Like for me to be optimist, I really not need the sun. And in Russia, you maybe get like three sunny days in the whole winter. Mm. It's mm. really annoying. Yeah, it's very dark as well and it's cold. It's dark yeah. and it's like snowy and it's cold. So, yeah. Yeah, but you but you could have, a, you could be there in that or in the summer, which is better. Or you choose to be here. Will I you be here long term? I really like uh, Dubai for the ease of handling the business, for the opportunities. Like, you know, there are always pros and cons about every city, I guess, every place you live. But for mm. me personally, I see more opportunities here. Mm. Interesting. Uh, and the region in general, the Middle East region, do you, do you oh, think? You asked me if I want to expand into Saudi market. Uh, no, Saudi market, no, because I have a very good friend of mine. He is a Saudi guy. He's a photographer. He has his team. There. And you let him have that market. <laughs> um, I personally believe that he's the best in our industry. Like yeah. I always like when I hire someone, I always show his uh, photos and the videos as a reference of which level I want my team to be at. Yeah. 
and I'm really happy to provide him my team whenever he needs my girls and mm. myself. I was working with him for a couple of years as well. I was mm. going to handle his weddings. Mm. So for me, Saudi is like that. Yeah, but in terms of offering your services to other cultures and to other weddings, you know, I'm sure there's lots of weddings that take place in Dubai and different cultures. Yeah. There's other, you know, uh, Arab weddings are very elaborate, like Lebanese wedding planners and things yeah. like that, and photographers. Is this is this part of your business plan? Not really, because see, uh, in Emirati weddings, I'm exclusive because I have the full female team. Yeah. I know what they want. I give them what they want. Yeah. For the mixed weddings, their expectations are really different. Hmm. They can have the guys photographers who will be cheaper sometimes because here, like obviously, the guys don't get much wedding work, so they decrease their prices to yeah. something. So and actually working in the mixed weddings, it's more difficult physically because like you have to capture all the dances, all the guests they want to take pictures. And everything. Yeah. So it's harder. It's different business. Yeah, different offering. Yeah. So why would I switch? Yeah. Like, you know, I'm really good in what we're doing with the Emirati wedding. So I just want to develop that. It's interesting. It seems to be focused and, and but obviously, you know, the wedding industry globally was completely disseminated in many in many aspects in terms of tourism. I remember reading horrific stories about Italy and different villages yeah. being disrupted and the knock on effect on the different services because so much goes into a wedding whether it's accommodation whether it's yeah, f&b everything it's it's so so big what uh what's your view on when we will see uh you know return to pre-covid business levels i believe once uh, all the population or most of it gets vaccinated and it gets positive effect mm. in terms of like you know providing the safety for the larger gatherings but again if we're talking for example about moscow it's already pre-COVID area in Moscow. Really? Because Back like to normal? Everything is open, the large gatherings, large concerts, people aren't just enjoying, like the bars are open, the clubs are open, the really? concerts are open, yeah. Yeah, and uh, okay, and the, obviously they produce their own vaccine and people have been vaccinated. Yeah. the Russian vaccine is available for everyone. There. Yeah, yeah, interesting. So you think maybe this time next year your business will be as the levels before? I really hope but for now, I'm enjoying the intimate celebrations as much as I do enjoy the big weddings. Of yeah. course, I miss like, you know, the first wedding in the ballroom that I had after Corona, I was crying. Like, seriously, I couldn't help it. I just went there and like, you know, <laughs> people couldn't dance. They were sitting like, you know, this two meters apart, like four people at the table. But it felt like at least we're back to the hotel. At least we're back to the like kind of normal. Yeah. So I'm really excited about like parties again in terms of like you know joy celebration dance that guests can actually meet and greet each other like hug each other without thinking that oh maybe it's not safe yeah interesting so uh it's been fascinating talking to you you seem to have a good grasp of decision making and knowing when to take the risk at the right time and but and uh you know you're young you've invested in this uh space uh, do you see it as a step-by-step -step process or, you know, are you putting down five-year plans and 10-year business plans? Do you have an ultimate goal for all your businesses? Yeah, I have the goal now for developing DLF. I have uh, the goal of turning it into the production because I want to work with the brands. I want to do for them the advertisement mm. and uh, regarding the space that we've built, I want to use it as an event space as well. Like, and I really want to start doing, like you've been asking me about networking and everything. Mm. I want to do the female entrepreneurship society or something like that. So we can like, you know, 
educate each other, talk about the business. Mm. So mm. I'm thinking about doing it in my space as well. Okay. Well, amazing. Thank you, Diana. Thank you for Thank your you time so today. Much. And we look forward to catching up with your businesses in the future. It's a fascinating cultural insight and a great success story. Thank you. Thank Thanks you so a lot. much. Pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Take Thank care. Thank you. Hey guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I like building something that has legacy.